0: Welcome to the Impact Room, brought to you by Philanthropy Age and me, Maisa Jalboud. Step inside to hear stories of success, failure, and impact from people dedicated to solving global development challenges. This is a space to connect people and ideas that make a real difference to our world. You are fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. It's all fake news. The fact that information spreads quickly means that truth can spread quickly and lies can spread quickly. And Wikipedia, I think, really tries to be that that place you go when you've got a moment to reflect, to say, "Okay, I actually need to learn about this. Wikipedia is the world's go-to site for information. Founded in 2001, what began as a plan to build a free online encyclopedia is today the largest collaborative collection of free knowledge in human history with more than 55 million articles across 300 languages. Billions of people have used Wikipedia. But in an era of fake news and rapid social media growth, how can it ensure its crowdsourced content is accurate, transparent, and unbiased? How can it be sure the information it shares represents all communities and voices, and not just the wealthy West? Joining me in the Impact Room today to discuss these points and more is Lisa seitz Gruwell. Lisa is Chief Advancement Officer at the Wikimedia Foundation, the US based nonprofit that is responsible for Wikipedia and its partner sites, including Wiktionary, Wikidata, and Wikibooks, as well as initiatives such as Project Rewrite, a campaign to document and share the stories of women that were previously absent from the collective discourse. Welcome to the Impact Room, Lisa.
1: Thank you for having me, Mesa.
0: As I said in my intro, most of us use wikipedia and we probably have some inkling that the text is created by volunteers but could you explain the nature of the relationship between wikimedia foundation and the assets it hosts
1: so the wikimedia foundation was started actually after wikipedia launched wikipedia launched in 2001 and the foundation started two years after and that was because this thing started growing and they needed to set up a formal kind of organization, a foundation to support it. We provide all of the technical infrastructure, everything you would see from a product point of view to backend technology, as well as legal support for our community of editors around the world and direct support for community organizing and for growing communities in different places. So it is both financial support, technical support, legal support that makes all of this run. But it is the volunteers, it is the editors that write the content and create the rules that govern Wikipedia.
0: So Wikipedia is effectively volunteer run, and your content is not monetized. This sets you apart from other digital platforms. How does that impact your model, especially in terms of, let's say, editorial freedoms?
1: So we're we're funded by donations. Every year, about 8 million people around the world donate an average of $15 to support Wikipedia. You know, our financial interests are really aligned with serving the public because our, our support comes from the public, from average everyday readers in, in countries around the world and so that keeps us independent it gives our editors you know a tremendous amount of freedom to just do what's right they're not influenced by any type of advertising any particular funder that uh, may have an interest in having the content be one way or the other
0: lisa you must find that your editorial independence is challenged in some countries i know for example wikipedia isn't available in china Do you often get pushback from governments? There are growing
1: challenges, I will say. It depends on the geography. I mean, most governments, we have a a very good relationship. They want an informed citizenry. They want their people to have access to quality information and knowledge. There are some governments, though, where that's, that's not the case, more authoritarian governments, governments that don't value freedom of information. And so in those in those cases we are lucky to have an amazing legal and advocacy team who work in those places to try to protect access to the encyclopedia and to protect the editors in those communities who may be at risk if they if they put something in the encyclopedia that's that's accurate that's true but doesn't reflect positively on a particular leader.
0: So then how do you measure Wikipedia's impact? What what do those metrics look like for you?
1: It's complex. I mean, we, we have a lot of the same kind of metrics that any major website would have. We look at things like how often is our site being visited, in how many languages, how much is the content growing? You know, we have 55 million articles across 300 languages. We also look at how much is our volunteer base growing? You know, every month we have about two hundred and eighty thousand volunteer editors who contribute. Those are the kinds of things that that we pay attention to. We also care about article quality and article diversity, and those are big emphases uh, going
0: forward. So, if we go back, uh, you know, to Wikipedia when it began, it, it obviously began in a very different context, uh, very different information and internet landscape. How has the growth of digital access and social media influenced the evolution of of the platform itself?
1: It's been in so many ways. I mean, as you said, Wikipedia was founded in the U.S., kind of took off in Europe and, you know, has grown around the rest of the world. But, you know, our encyclopedias in languages like Hindi are nowhere near the size of those in English or other kind of uh, Western languages. And so... We're really focused on trying to figure out how to grow those. And some of the techniques, some of the models that worked in the U.S. and Europe work in underserved parts of the world, but others do not. And so we've really had to empower the community to come up with organizing methods that work for them. Can you elaborate
0: a little bit about community?
1: Our community is both an online community of editors who find Wikipedia Hit the edit button and create an account and just start editing. They they do this on their own. But then there's others who come in the door through organized efforts, through outreach efforts by local communities. So our community in Arabic, for example, we have chapters around the world who do outreach efforts to bring people in, teach them how to edit Wikipedia and create social connections. So that people are doing this, you know usually in together in a you know the same place covid's made that a little difficult this year so it it is both a combination of of in person editing events we call them editathons as well as people who just come to the platform to edit independently on their own but through online connection
0: tell me how do you use your grant making to shore up and grow wikipedia's editing community So last year, we
1: made about $9 million in grants to different communities, and we're going to be increasing it significantly next year. And these are for specific projects for growing communities. So, you know, we fund chapters that hold what we call edit-a-thons, that bring people together to learn how to edit and contribute and create a social aspect to this online experience of of editing an encyclopedia. We're also forming partnerships with kind of local cultural institutions. We're going into classrooms, teaching um, literacy. We have programs that, you know, at universities where Professors will assign their students to edit Wikipedia instead of write a term paper. So there's a lot of different programs that are going on that teach people either how to interact and read Wikipedia or how to edit Wikipedia. And then, of course, the social connection is really critical.
0: And can you share with us where you give these grants in general? We
1: give them in on every continent, um, you know, we are in the next year trying to grow our grant making in Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Middle East. Those are the, our kind of priorities for growth. We're gonna to continue to fund you know, the, the amazing communities we have in the US and Europe, but the new funds and where we're looking to grow really is in those regions.
0: You mentioned Arabic and Impact Room is based in the Middle East, and I just saw on the news that um, you've had a big growth in input from the Arab world. Is that right?
1: So Arabic Wikipedia has about 1.1 million articles. It's the 16th largest language Wikipedia. Um, So, you know, it still has a ways to grow. It's not, you know, Arabic is a major language in the world. We'd love to see it in the top 10, but it's definitely getting there. I mean, in the last year alone in 2020, um, you know, the articles were viewed 3.4 billion times, the Arabic Wikipedia articles. So there's a huge demand for it. And the community is growing. Uh, You know, in in Arabic Wikipedia, there's about 15,000 active Uh, wikipedians editors volunteers who contribute these articles and um, you know last year they made 1.6 million edits to the encyclopedia so they are they are a vibrant community it's growing and the encyclopedia is widely read
0: and beyond uh, geographical one of the things uh, that you've mentioned to me before is that the vast percentage of edits on the platform are made by men are there uh, initiatives on your part to include more women in the editing
1: absolutely i mean there there's a couple a couple different things i mean one we do have outreach efforts that specifically are trying to increase women's participation in editing and also grow content about women one of the things that we found is that biographies about famous, famous women, a lot of them were missing, right? There was a disproportionate number of biographies about famous men. And so we, we have different organizations, different uh, user groups who've come together to specifically try to address that problem. There's a global initiative called Art and Feminism that really focuses on trying to get more women artists and, and women activists included in, in the encyclopedia.
0: And your own initiative, Project Rewrite, also falls into this space. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. Project Rewrite was uh, launched during Women's History Month this year. And part of the emphasis of it is to raise awareness on the issue that exists in media, right? So Wikipedia can only include women in the encyclopedia if journalists write about them right because we're a secondary source of information women are missing from conference panels most most conference panels are often you know, all male uh, five out of six names that appear in the media are those of men on twitter an average man is twice as likely to follow another man than a woman so When our editors are trying to include women's stories in the encyclopedia, they're limited because women's stories aren't told in the media. And so we've started a discussion on this problem, and we found people who are willing to kind of take this on to figure out how we can improve gender representation in the media and then increase gender representation in Wikipedia.
0: And in the same vein, women are also often uncomfortable in making contributions in the editing space. What makes them uncomfortable? What can be done about that?
1: There's a lot of different factors. I mean, one is simply time, right? That, that, that women just don't have as much kind of free time to volunteer in many cases. But the second is when women encounter a community online that's not friendly that's getting combative, they often just walk away. And so one of the things that we were taking on this year is adopting a new universal code of conduct that really aims at trying to make the interactions, the debates that editors have over what should go in the encyclopedia and what shouldn't, making sure that those are civil, pleasant, polite, respectful conversations. And that we believe is really going to help women kind of stay engaged in editing Wikipedia.
0: And is that true of other communities, marginalized communities as well?
1: Both factors come into play with marginalized communities. There is the issue of time, and there is also the issue of making sure that it is a pleasant experience. If someone comes in to English Wikipedia who's new, and they encounter editors who've been there for a really, really long time, and they're not welcoming, oftentimes they leave. And so, you know, for people who are just coming online, who are just learning about Wikipedia, we very much want them to come into the community and edit. And we need to make sure that the experience for them is a positive one.
0: As a mother of two school-aged girls, I'm really struck by how different their experience of finding information is to mine. My generation didn't even have the internet; We would have to go to the library to consult books, but they have access instantly online. How important do you think Wikipedia is for this younger generation?
1: So first, I will say during this year, right, during the pandemic, when you know going to the library wasn't an option, um, and learning was happening at home, Wikipedia became really, really critical. I, I'm a mother of, of two teenagers as well. And you know w- without information online, I think it would have been a much more difficult uh, school year., it was already difficult. Uh, but we um you know saw our traffic really increase this year. And we do see our traffic kind of follow education, right? It drops when school is out, Um, not dramatically, but we will see a fluctuation uh, when, when school is out. So it is used. And I think some of the things that, are really critical with this younger generation and you know it was true of our generation too is just learning how to be discerning readers and discerning users of information and that's one of the programs that we have we teach information literacy we teach people to check the sources to make sure that what they're reading is coming from a, a reputable source is coming from a neutral point of view and that is absolutely critical uh, for this next generation
0: and hopefully to be able to contribute to it too, because they they are able to make contributions. We're living in what some people have described as the era of disinformation. So how is Wikimedia navigating the challenges of fake news, for example?
1: We were pretty well positioned to take on this challenge from the start. Back in the day when Wikipedia was founded, there were these rules that were established about how the community contributes knowledge, right? One of the rules was you have to write from a neutral point of view. You have to cite credible sources. You need to cite peer-reviewed research. We're not using original research and to avoid conflicts of interest. And so those core rules, they've served us well in this age of disinformation. It's a different set of rules than you would see on other platforms that just say, anybody can say whatever they want. Right. And so that's not our point of view. Our point of view is that we want information that is as accurate as possible and and as neutral as possible, and that is backed up by credible sources. So coming from that foundation, we were just in a much better place, take on disinformation than a lot of other platforms. And then I would say that the community is on high guard for this type of thing. We're able to lock down pages when we see covert attempts to uh, change or vandalize the the content on Wikipedia. And we have developed technologies, bots, that can detect vandalism, that can detect bad faith edits, and, you know, help our editors to combat this problem.
0: Can you give us any examples of, you know, bad faith actors and, and how you managed to control that?
1: It happens. It happens frequently. I mean, this is everything from kind of just sort of prank type edits, you know, that, that our community is on high alert and, and our technology actually alerts our editors to those types of things to more organized attempts by kind of fringe political groups who try to change the content. In those cases, our editors will lock down different pages. So, you know, Donald Trump's page is basically locked down all the time. And only really experienced editors who have a track record are editing that page, just because the vandalism on a page like that, it draws in people with really strong points of view, and also people with not the best intentions who aren't interested in writing from a neutral point of view.
0: It sounds like sometimes the stakes are very high. Yes. And they could have a big impact uh, on society. So are you investing in specific campaigns to counter disinformation?
1: Absolutely. But like I say, I think we're coming from a place were the foundation, right? The rules that Wikipedia is based on serve us well. But then, like I say, we are developing technologies that really can detect these types of problems. So really it's putting tools in the hands of our editors that make them more efficient. So they don't have to go and patrol all of the pages. They can look at that feed and see where there's a lot of activity. And with machine learning now, these tools can now detect what is a bad faith edit from one that is a good faith edit.
0: But what about when the information that's being uploaded is not necessarily in bad faith, but it's contributing to misinformation? I'm thinking about, for example, COVID. Do you have a role as a platform to work on informing the public
1: Absolutely. And in fact, you know, on COVID, we formed a partnership with the WHO and really made a priority to make sure that the information that was on Wikipedia about COVID was not only coming from the best sources, but was also written at a reading level that was really accessible to a lot of people. So we formed this partnership early on in the COVID crisis with WHO. We worked with them. They made all of their materials, all of their information uh, freely licensed. That enabled our editors to use it and put it in all of the COVID articles. Our COVID articles were edited by almost 100,000 different editors. Many of them were people from the medical community. We actually have a project called Wikimed that is is just a group of medical professionals, doctors, who edit these articles on medical topics in Wikipedia. And so we not only try to make this information free from vandalism, we try to make it the highest quality, and then get it out there as much as we can. So that was part of the partnership with the WHO. We worked with mobile carriers to get the information out in as many languages as as we could, to as many places as possible. So it was widely, widely read. So the main English Wikipedia Article on COVID 19 was viewed over 82 million times last year. And
0: so, do you foresee a larger role for Wikipedia in this space? I mean, you're very much part of the information ecosystem, but your model is very heavily reliant on the use and citation of credible independent sources. So, at a time when we're seeing the defunding of media, of academia, what role can Wikipedia play in addressing all of this?
1: We are an advocate for media. I mean, we, we believe in journalism. We believe that you know we are not the answer. We are only as good as the information that is out there in the world. And so journalism needs to survive in order for Wikipedia to continue to thrive because we're not journalists. We're not going out and getting you know, firsthand information. We are citing credible news articles or academic articles And that whole side needs to continue to thrive for Wikipedia to thrive. We're able to aggregate the information and distribute it widely. So it is critical that that type of information survive. We never say that we're a replacement for journalism. We rely heavily on it.
0: So then looking ahead, where do you see the organization going in terms of being able to scale and influence some of these modern issues that society is really grappling with?
1: One, I think I think Wikipedia is going to continue to play a really critical role in misinformation just because our platform is so uniquely positioned to do that. Again, just those core rules that I mentioned earlier of writing from a neutral point of view, citing credible sources, all of that is so unique, right? Most major platforms don't have those rules for the people who contribute content anybody can contribute anything they want to most platforms within some very, very broad guidelines. That positioning, just the fact that we're not here to let everybody say what they want to say, we are here for people to come together and sort out what is fact, sort out what is credible information and agree on that and put that kind of information in a Wikipedia article and get it out. That makes us very very different than most platforms. I think the Wikipedia approach of getting information out into the world, people are trying to learn from it and replicate it. Um, You know, and we have increasing partnerships with government, with the United Nations, as I mentioned, WHO, but UNESCO and other big institutions are seeing the value of Wikipedia and partnering with us and also learning from the model i mean one of the things that is really great about wikipedia is there's no no story no document is ever done right it's never finished as knowledge evolves as information evolves the article changes so you know that helps us get it right because if new information comes out that maybe makes something that was said uh, previously inaccurate We can easily change that and we we want to change that and we're not defensive about it. So that kind of approach to to information, just seeing information and knowledge as evolving and therefore the encyclopedia needs to evolve is a lesson that I I think the world can learn from.
0: So Lisa, if I understand Wikipedia's mission well, it's really knowledge equity. How much progress do you feel you've made towards that goal?
1: I think we've made a fair amount of progress, but we have a long ways to go. I mean, we are in, like I say, 300 languages. Most web platforms out there, even the big ones, you know, only reach 150. So we've made more progress than most. I mean, we are a a very robust source of information, but there's still a lot of work to be done. We don't have nearly enough articles in languages like Hindi, and we still have a problem with just information that's, that's missing, right? As I mentioned before, we don't have enough biographies of famous women in the encyclopedia. We don't have enough contribution from the continent of Africa. So th- these are the places that we're focusing on going forward. You know, we set a strategic direction for what, where we wanna be by the year 2030 and knowledge equity was a central pillar of that strategic direction. And so that guides us every day, that guides where we're investing, that guides where we're growing. And that is definitely where we want to be you know, 10 years from now.
0: Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You've been listening to The Impact Room, brought to you by Philanthropy Age and hosted by me, Maysa Jalbut. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss forthcoming episodes. Please give us a rating where you get your podcast. And most importantly, tell your colleagues, friends and family to check us out. For more about today's topic, the podcast and philanthropy age, please check the show notes or follow us on social media at philanthropy age or on my Twitter handle at Maisa Jaloud. Thank you for listening.